I'm Dr. Megan Corredo, and welcome to Real Stories, a podcast that features the narratives of trauma survivors, professionals, and community leaders. Real Stories provides a platform for guests with diverse life experiences to voice and honor their unique narratives. During today's episode, we will be speaking with Ami Yaris. Thank you so much for joining us. It's great to be here, Megan. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little about who you are? Sure. Um, I am uh, a teaching artist by training and, and peace builder. Uh, and I found myself in the last couple of years diving into social policy, uh, especially based upon arts and culture interventions. And uh, relating to that, I'm now the, the director of Build a Bridge International, which is an arts and education nonprofit that uses art making and the imagination to respond to trauma and hardship that we mm. find here in Philadelphia. Mm. So you called yourself a peace builder. So can you tell us more what you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I worked with Israelis and Palestinians for about nine years um, and did a lot of work uh, across Europe with refugee populations and, and youth in Northern Ireland. And the idea is that through arts-based processes and dialogue that you can break down a lot of barriers, but also uh, build a vision for shared futures. Mm. So one of the things that in most protracted conflicts, especially with Israeli and Palestinians, there's um, a lack of person-to-person contact. And research shows and, and common sense shows the more you spend time with another person getting to know them, um, the more you can be in their, their corner and they can be in your corner and you can make a change together as opposed uh, to individual change. And so mm-hmm. my peace builder is, is creating environments that allow that, that dialogue and let that, allow that, that space for a shared vision for the future. Mm. So did you go through a particular training program for this? Um, life. I would, I would say um, life and, and being validated by a lot of wonderful organizations that, that have asked me to be a part of them. Um, there is a group called Heartbeat is where I really um, began learning about how to how to respond to to conflict through through arts based programming. And they're, mm-hmm. they're based in Israel and Palestine. And that was really to bring together youth to create music um, based in social change, based in shared narrative, based in nonviolent communication. Uh, and then since then, I've worked with Seeds in Peace, which is an international uh, camp for um, youth who, who are living in conflict zones. And I've got to work with the, the U.S. State Department during Obama's term, um, doing uh, a cultural diplomacy project for Israelis and Palestinians, and then also visiting various peace camps uh, around the states. And so um, it's one of those things where as an arts practitioner, there's, there's not really um, a way to study it. Uh, how to how to do this per se through the arts, mm-hmm. and there are now so to speak. Um, but really, and then, then also like informing and studying. Like I, I read a lot on um, Paulo Freire's work, and and mm-hmm. just started really understanding Bell Hooks's work as well, um, and some of the work of Miles Horton. And so th- those are my 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 teachers right now in terms mm-hmm. of trying to to be a peace builder. Mm. So you've already told us a little bit about what you do. Is there anything else that you want to add? Oh, wow. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm, it's funny being on these programs and, and having the opportunity to talk about myself. It's not something I know. I often. I know. It's a little awkward. I did the first um, podcast episode for Real Stories and I was like, this is strange. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Um, yeah, I, I'm a singer songwriter by training and had always looked forward by training, by, by life choice. Um, and, and looking for ways to engage community, I, I've done my fair share of performing, but I, I was so touched by music and how it's such a holistic response 
to the, the, the ways we can learn about our environments and ourselves that I've always tried to, to do that for myself as a musician so that I try to engage community with, with the songs that I write mm-hmm. um, when I have the opportunity to. And I've gotten to work with World Cafe Live and Mighty Writers in Philadelphia specifically, mm-hmm. um, helping that happen and stuff. And it's, uh, it's a really important part of my life as well, as much as it is like trying to organize communities and do uh, therapeutic art making. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the artistic mediums that you use? So my, myself, I, I use mostly music and a little bit of, of movement. Um, in Bilderbridge specifically, which is my, my full-time work, I, I get to work with very, very, very talented people that are, are, some of them are clinicians who have degrees in creative arts therapy. Some are artists like myself who have come to community work by virtue of their own artistic journey. And some people that, that cover both of those, those territories. And so really, um, visual arts, theater, music, movement, all those are incorporated into into build a bridge's work a little bit of everything right well we believe as a whole the expressive arts have the ability to transform people so we don't want to limit it by one specific medium we try to open Mm. as much as possible Mm. it's so important for people to have multiple options because um the same thing does not work for everyone yeah absolutely and I, i think also people who are engaged in a specific medium don't often realize the the benefit of trying a different medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only involved in movement peripherally now because of a of a, a contact improv program that I was introduced to, and and the theater of the pressed activities and mm. being like, why why would I not want to incorporate this into my toolbox into my my own being? I think it's beautiful stuff. I'm I'm just interested in connecting, you know. And my my wheelhouse is music, but it doesn't mean I can't dabble in other things. Mm. We know that every individual, every community, every system has a story, and every story includes both adversity and strength. Can you talk to us about some of the adversities that you faced? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll speak from an organizational point before talking about more uh, of an individual, I guess, path. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Build a Bridge is an organization that it's been around for uh, over 20 years, and now we've been faced with uh, trying to demonstrate organizational resilience. You know, while we as individuals are trying to deal with this new normal that will hopefully not be a normal in the coming months, yeah. Um, how are we going to respond to this? And Build a Bridge is um, a beautiful organization, but we're really into you know doing the work. And uh, honestly, fundraising and development is not one of our strong suits. And it was how can we do a lot with a little? And mm-hmm. over the past months, uh, we have done that. We have done a lot with a little. And by the by, the in kind donations of of board members and from uh, the strength and creativity of our teaching artists, we've supplied something like around forty plus hours of public programming um, in Philadelphia specifically, but it's been open to people across the United States. Wow! Um, we've been able to offer some of our resources to a nonprofit in Northern Ireland that we're connected with, um, and we've been able to develop an, an arts based self care program all in the last. A couple months and, and people are starting to notice us more mm. both of that because they they're believing in their they're responding to the work that we're doing and so COVID has been a really incredible challenge but it's been something that's been so um transformative for the organization mm. and wow. I'm really grateful for where i am now as opposed to where i was uh seven months ago eight months ago mm. so are you saying that you want to go back through that again <laughs> <laughs> no no there's 
I would never want to go through this again. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I believe we have a beautiful trajectory right now that mm-hmm. uh, is opening up many more possibilities for, for the organization to be able to do the kind of work that we want to be doing. Mm, isn't that interesting how it happens where these things happen to us that we didn't ask for um, and they transform us and we wouldn't want to want to go back through them again, but we do appreciate the role that they played in shaping us, whether as individuals, systems, organizations. Yeah. And it's it's kind of funny the way you phrase that. And one of my colleagues that we both know, Janelle Junkin, had, had talked to me about this and she'd heard Sandra Bloom speak about about trauma-informed systems and that it's not only that that people have to experience a trauma-informed environment, but organizations also need to be trauma-informed. Right. And I feel like how Build-A-Bridge responded, that the organization itself like looked at this as, what can we learn from this? How can we go mm. from this? How can we um, restructure ourselves and not, and not use this as a stumbling block, but actually uh, a platform from which to jump higher into the air? And I think mm-hmm. that, that's what took place. Mm. Is there anything else that you want to add about adversities that you faced? I mean, one of the hardest things for me is is really there's a lot of lip service around about the arts and what the arts do for society. And I find myself constantly having to justify and re-justify and validate why it's so important. Um, in the city of Philadelphia, you know, there was a beautiful report that was put out by the Cultural Alliance talking about the millions of dollars that the arts and cultural um sector puts out both directly and indirectly and that the the widespread um depth of how arts and culture responds to to philadelphia and Mm -hmm. the city goes ahead and and cuts out you know almost all of the funding for the philadelphia cultural fund which supports Mm -hmm. almost every non-arts-based nonprofit in the city and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of lip service being paid to what we can be doing and it's it's really hard uh to see that people don't don't want to support us the way we need to be supported. And because right. my, my opinion and my research and what I've understand is that, you know, being engaged in an arts-based program, there's so many benefits, holistic benefits for the individual in the community that I really think we should be putting more effort and resources into that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. We could have a whole, I don't, longer than a podcast <laughs> um, talking about that as well. Um, yeah. I'll just leave it there because we could just go on a, a full blown rabbit trail and be talking about something else. <laughs> yeah, totally. Can you share a few important positive moments or turning points in your story? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the most important things was was stepping up as an artist. I'm trying to think of where that specifically began, and I think it may it may have started in college. And I, I studied uh, Jewish Arab identity in college and that was in the the heat of the second intifada where palestinians and israelis were 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 fighting and um in the course of that the u.s had also entered into iraq and afghanistan and it was just a very bloody bloody time period and when i was studying israeli or excuse me jewish arab culture um i was learning about how the music was such a powerful um conduit and it was just natural that that Jews in Baghdad specifically were playing music for everybody. And there was a, a strong degree of integration that doesn't exist currently. And there was also much more similarities culturally between, between uh, Jews, Christians, and Muslims that were living in that area. Mm. And I was looking at myself being like, what, what am I going to do with music? You know, what am I going to, 
am I going to connect people through music? And I began investing more time in, in trying to connect people to music, not just by, by virtue of teaching people how to play music, but how to understand music and how to see music as a, a lens to understand society and culture. Mm. That was, that was taking place for me at the university level. And then, um, I, I ended up working at a boarding school for, for moderately, um, learning challenged children in, in Cape Cod at a place called Riverview School. And uh, the school gave me the opportunity to start like a, a legitimate course. And in, 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 it was almost like ethnomusicology, basically. And I was, mm-hmm. and though ethnomusicology is a term that's kind of um, creating some waves because what is ethnomusicology? Like studying the other, there are no others. We're all others in this together. Right. That's just a, a tangent, but it was called ethnomusicology. And the idea was like looking at ourselves and looking at music across the world and not just learning how to play it, but like learning of its social significance. You know, why is jazz important? Why is Middle Eastern music important? What can we learn from it? What what kind of life lessons can be extrapolated from from those? And that was a real turning point of how I would use music in the future mm. um, and continue to do so. And then Build a Bridge was really like an amazing opportunity because I was no longer working as an individual. Now I work with a team of people, you know, um, who believe in this across the board that that music is this um this conduit for for individual and social change and to the credit of the co-founders dr nathan corbett and and vivian nix early they see the art the, the creative process and art making as 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 transformative but also as a metaphor of lessons that can be seen as a metaphor for for life you know and what mm. we learn from this and that's something that i had felt earlier, but never had the language to describe. Like I was doing programming, you know, a bunch of people would get together and and play drums without speaking to each other. And mm-hmm. I would give them prompts of, of, you know, what can you do as an individual to improve the quality of the drum circle? What can you, what could other people be doing in the group to improve the quality of the drum circle and going through this, this transformative process and then getting to the point, well, how is this drum circle like society? And I never would have said that this is going to be a transformative metaphor to understand society until I started working with Build-A-Bridge and realizing that um, all these processes, all these arts-based programs that we do have these powerful metaphors to, and I've been talking about that earlier, that how we can change for the better and change ourselves and change within society by Mm -hmm. these lessons learned from art making. Um, So what do you see for your future vision? Oh, wow. My, My future vision I, I had a hard time with this question because like it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm I'm in this like constant state of working that it's hard to, to see what the future looks like. I'm like right. very like in the present moment, but but in all seriousness that I would like to see my see my work, see our work is build a bridge validated in the eyes of 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 people that want to support us. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see it not being a struggle to do the work that we're doing so we can focus on the work and not how to support the work, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that's really a future I would like to be a part of. And even so, I'd like to see other organizations like, I think Philadelphia has the, the, right, um, the right ground, the right fertile ground for the arts to really become a more ingrained part of life here. Like I kind of, I want to see like, like, you know, how they have Mr. Softy trucks. I want, I want Mr. Softy to be an, like an art program going around the city, doing art programs on every block. Mm. You know? <laughs> I want to see guerrilla pop-ups of people doing like corner workshops across the city. And I, I just want to see the, the arts come out as like the true community convener healing 
power that it is. And I feel mm-hmm. like we're almost there. Like mural arts is is doing it with these murals and doing it with um their their storefronts. Mm-hmm. And and you know, World Cafe Live is is doing stuff with Mighty Writers and, and other institutions, and Mighty Writers in itself is doing incredible work, uh, getting to the youth and getting their voices heard. And I and those are just just like just the the top layer. Oh, Village of Arts and Humanities as well, and and mm-hmm. the, um, yeah, I'm 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 kind of ranting right now, but there's so much going on that needs to be supported that I think they're really changing the fabric of Philadelphia for the better. And I, I mm-hmm. wish we were putting more into that. Mm-hmm. I love how you said that you struggle with that question and then came up with really innovative, transformative ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So are there any favorite or life-changing resources that you want to share with listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I read this book twice this year, um, Sherzad Hamin's Positive Intelligence. And uh, I had gone to some sessions with a financial advisor that ended up being a life coach in disguise. Mm. And they recommended that I read this text. And it was one of these ways to contextualize and visualize and characterize uh, stumbling blocks that that I allow myself to to control me at times. So like Mm. things that sabotage my ability to be successful, be positive, everything from, from how I look at interpersonal relationships or like my procrastination or negativity and, and really naming it and that and being mindful as well. Mindfulness, I know it's like a jargon. It's all over the place. I don't want to exhaust people about that, but it, it really works. Mm. And this, this idea of, of his positive intelligence was a way that I felt myself literally become more positive and to be able to um, make more meaningful experiences out of things that were bothering me and holding me back. Mm. Mm. So I recommend reading his book, Positive Intelligence. Um, I also recommend, um, as silly as it sounds, to be doing something physical with yourself every day, whether it's yoga, cardio, weightlifting, walking, the boundaries of work and uh, our home life have dissolved because of what we're going through right now. And we have to be conscious of that or else it will become um, way too much, too hard to separate. And so- Firm boundaries, right. self-care, uh, self-love, and we'll be better people to ourselves and better people to our community. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience? Um, I, I want to be in conversation with more people about this. I think being in Philadelphia and watching the rise in violence and watching the the economics of what's taking place here play out, and I, I want to meet more people from all across all sectors who are invested in, in trying to change the city for the better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Build a Bridge works in partnership with human service providers across the city and across the states. And um, I, I want it to happen more often. I think we have people have a lot of resources at their fingertips, but we tend to silo ourselves. Yeah. And I, I want to see a de-siloing of, of our missions and, and start to look at ourselves as a more social fabric. Of, of human service organizations that, that want to improve Philadelphia and the surrounding area. So be in touch with me. That's what I want. I want, I want connection. It's so interesting how like oftentimes we're providing supports to the same communities of people, but we're all so, um, I don't know, focused and or overwhelmed by the work that we're doing in our own spheres that we forget that there are other people that we can connect to. And sometimes they're like right down the block from us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and that's what it is. And 
it's uh, it's a tough thing to grapple with. Mm-hmm. And then also thinking about what you said earlier, um, you know, some of the struggles that nonprofits can face um, as it relates to funding. I think I think that funding also maybe pits us against each other in a way um, because we're all kind of competing for for limited funds. Um, sometimes we're doing similar or complementary things, and then we're you know all in this space, but it's it's difficult for us to kind of figure out how to integrate our work. And it's so something interesting, right? When we're thinking about individuals who've been through trauma, one of the main symptoms that people experience is fragmentation. And then it's it's interesting when we think about the helping professions um, and the organizations that are supporting trauma survivors. Oftentimes we're fragmented too. We're not connected to each other. We're not kind of uh, integrating the work that we do, which um, it's almost like a uh, uh, re-traumatization on a systemic level. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the demands that are placed on us to to achieve our quote-unquote mission statement and goals, like often lacking the personal human touch that we need to that we need as human beings to thrive. Mm-hmm. So we're so caught up in this in this mission-driven or whatever our objective is, working with a specific client um, that we need to be able to to feel supported and be supported. You know. Right, right. Blinding. Mm. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, it was my pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of this. I, I love your work and I love getting to know more of what you do, uh, each interaction that we have and stuff. And I'm, I'm grateful for us to be connected in this. Thank you for listening to Real Stories. The resources referenced by today's guest speaker will be included in the episode description. For more information about me, Dr. Megan Corredo, and my work with the Stories Trauma Narrative Intervention, please visit my website, www.storiesguide.com. Also, feel free to follow my story social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember that for every story of trauma and adversity, there is always a story of strength and resilience.